Welcome to the Eye Test, a fantasy football podcast for those who are tired of hearing boring stats all the time. This is episode 25 and a continuation of our fantasy seasonal awards. So if you want to hear part one, you can go back into your Apple and Spotify history and find part one. But this is part two and we have five more awards to hand out. So let's just jump right into it. And we're going to lead off with our Peyton Manning Award. And for those of you who don't know, Peyton Manning has won the most MVPs in NFL history. So it's fitting that this is the fantasy football MVP. So, Paul, who is your Peyton Manning Award this season? So I went a little rogue here. I think there is a consensus number one MVP in terms of value and how he performed. But I'm going to go with somebody who I think a lot of us never doubted, but were certainly down on as opposed to the past couple years of his career. He did switch teams this year. He did go from the greatest quarterback in the league right now to a whatever you want to call to a tag of Viola. You can do that, middle tier, above average, whatever. But I'm going Tyree Kill here. I think Tyree Kill is your league MVP. In a guy that you could have gotten in the second or even third round, he might have been your wide receiver one. He could have even been your wide receiver two if you were good to go like Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and then Tyreek. But Tyreek Hill is putting up absolutely ridiculous, bonkers numbers this entire year. The big question mark with him was switching teams and going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua, and that did kind of tank his value a little bit, but he actually came back and is having, I think, he was on pace to have the greatest statistical year a couple weeks ago. You'd have to correct me if he's still on that pace. But Justin, eclipsed yeah, him. Justin Jefferson. I've heard a great stat on Justin Jefferson. Yesterday. Yeah, which is crazy. And, and Justin Jefferson deserves definitely some points in this regard here. But I just want to talk about Tyreek. And honestly, if Tyreek didn't have five points against the Buffalo Bills, I think that Tyreek is just – blowing people out of the water he's the number two wide receiver overall the number six overall player but i think what really stands out to me here is where you could have gotten him you could have gotten him as a 18th to 24th pick and to get that kind of value in return is just incredible i mean there are teams that have austin eckler and then tyree kill there are teams that have cooper cup and tyree kill there are teams that have justin jefferson and tyree kill it's just insane. So I just I have to shout out Tyreek Hill here. He proved everybody wrong. He's getting older in age, but he still went out and plays every game like it's his last. And he's just incredible. Even on his down games, he somehow manages to get a 60-yard touchdown bomb and a 50-yard touchdown yeah. fumble recovery to make up for it. It's just sometimes That's- you need to have luck on your side too, and Tyreek is just phenomenal. So he's he gets my vote for the Peyton Manning MVP award. That's what makes him so valuable, Paul, is the fact that if you are down by 30 points headed into Monday night, he can be that guy that can win you the game. And at that point in time, that's the most valuable player on your specific fantasy team. A guy that can win you games on Monday night when you're down by what seems like a lot. Tyree Kill has that big playability where you're never out of a game if Tyree Kill is on your team. So yeah. It's a good pick. And he was going from first round value to third round value just because of a trade. I think we learned a valuable lesson this year that you got to draft based off of talent and not matchup or team or quarterback even like talent. Yeah. 
like just stick to talent and you will be more successful than not. Yeah. Pick guys who are good and you'd be surprised how good your team does. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, I mean, people try to disregard good players on bad teams or a new quarterback. It's like, dude, he's a good wide receiver. He'll find a way to make magic happen. Yeah. I mean, Mikhail is an exception. Obviously we learned, everyone learned that lesson the hard way, but it's definitely not a general rule. I don't think. Well, you got guys like AJ Brown who switched teams to Jalen Hurts. who wasn't supposed to be that great, but he went from like Tannehill. Yeah. But I mean, on Diggs' career, Changed True. worlds with Josh Allen, who wasn't considered Devontae a Adams. great thrower. Devontae people Adams. Adams. People were afraid of Devontae Adams. They're like, oh, he's going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. And now he's got Waller and Renfro to deal with. People were still going to draft Devontae Adams in the first round, but I was scared to draft De- Devontae mm-hmm. Adams. I was going to pick Joe Mixon over Devontae Adams if he fell to me. Same, yeah. honestly. Yeah, I guess you can go either way with that. But my Peyton Manning Award nominee is Austin Eckler. Paul, you dropped his name earlier. That is totally fine. I think we know that he can certainly be worthy of an MVP for fantasy seasons. He was the fourth ranked running back going into the season, and he finished as the number one running back. He was in the same value class as Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, and DeAndre Swift. They were all within the five picks of one another. And Eckler surpassed Dalvin Cook, CMC, and Jonathan Taylor. I think that is MVP worthy there where no Austin Eckler is going to get you 20 points a week. And just on a potent offense, that does have a lot of wide receiver options. And that doesn't matter because talent gives you points in fantasy. I'll give it up to Austin Eckler. A little bit of an obvious one, but just the fact that he was the fourth running back and he finished as the first, I think that's a very good accomplishment. Do you remember in the first three weeks when everybody was like, oh, Austin Eckler's a bust. Like, Austin Eckler's not going to do shit. We and talked about had a we tough start. Yeah. had a tough start to the year. You're right. We were, everybody was like, oh, it's the death of the RB1. It's the death of the RB1. And then, sure as shit, Austin Eckler comes in and plays just fucking lights out football. Yeah. I think he definitely did benefit. I mean, he's still an rb1 regardless i think he definitely did benefit from keenan allen and mike williams being hurt like a good portion of the fantasy seasons so that's why he was able to rack up so many targets but john i'm actually going to piggyback off that running back position and my peyton manning award for this fantasy season and this is i don't think there's any question in terms of value this is the peyton manning award for the year josh jacobs literally drafted in the was going in the fifth and sixth round as like an rb2 and this guy is in standard leagues he's the rb1 in ppr leagues he's the rb2 he has had multiple 30 point games he had a 49 point game after weeks one and two where he put up eight and nine points he's put up Very impressive double-digit performances aside for one week, and it is just absolutely insane what one coaching change could do for a player because he was not involved in the passing game at all prior to this season, and that is probably the biggest difference in what elevated him to an RB1. So, again, a pretty obvious one, but in terms of value, it needs to be mentioned because that's where – that's where differences and where you could make the biggest difference in fantasy leagues is when you find that RB1 
in like the fifth round. So an obvious one, but has to be mentioned. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. Is Josh Jacobs the first overall pick in fantasy drafts next year? No. I said, no. I said three or four weeks ago that I think he's going to be late first, early second. He has – since then, he's still been killing it. So I might move him up a couple of spots on my big board. But I do not think he's the 1-1. One, one. I actually think it's going to be Jetta or Austin Eckler. And Jetta's not going to be on the board in our league. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree with John here. Austin Eckler will Josh, be, though, because he yeah. can't be kept two years in a row. Who will be? Eckler. Yeah. Yeah, dude, when I was looking at our draft results, I saw that he was drafted ninth overall, and I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, oh, that's right, he was kept. So I actually had to look up what the actual rankings were. I was like, dude, he was drafted behind everyone. Yeah. Yeah, but I agree with John here. If I think Josh Jacobs, if all things stay the same, if he remains on the Raiders and McDaniels is still the coach next year and all the receivers, like everything stays the same, I think you're pigeonholed if you have that 10th, 11th, 12th pick and he's there. Like you can't let him go. Just because if he does have this season again, you're going to look like a complete idiot. That's where you get sucked. That's where you I get I know, and that, that's no. where you get screwed. And he definitely does have Joe Mixon possibility. He definitely has Najee Harris possibility where we're going. To, it's going to be week five or week six. We're going to be like, look at that idiot who took Josh Jacobs in the 11th and let Devontae Adams go or let Stephon Diggs go or let Travis Kelsey go. And it, gun to my head, if you had Stephon Diggs, Travis Kelsey, Josh Jacobs on the board and I had the 10th, 11th, 12th pick, I'm probably picking those guys over Jacobs in the first round. But it wouldn't surprise, like, I wouldn't be shocked Josh Jacobs puts up at least somewhat near these numbers that he's putting up. Yeah, I think he'll, yeah, maybe definitely not first overall, but he's obviously has already made his way into the first round. Yeah, for no, he'll, be a, he'll be a top 24 pick without a doubt next year. He'll be, I, he'll be working with a new quarterback next year, too. I know we were just talking about how that shouldn't matter. But for some reason, it still shakes things up in my head when there's a little bit of a change. Like, I have to think about it more. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen to the offense if they do get a new quarterback? I still don't. I'm not sold on the Raiders moving on from Derek Carr. Derek Carr's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, he's gone too. I'm you know, not, there's a rumor that Sean Payton's interested in joining the Raiders next year. Which honestly might be the best thing for Derek Carr. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I mean, Sean Payton would be a Oh, I was thinking Josh Jacobs. I was thinking it might be the best thing to happen to Josh Jacobs. Oh, easily. Oh, my God. We're talking Alvin Kamara on steroids exactly. if Sean yeah. Payton gets there. Yeah, yeah but I don't, think, I don't think Jacobs could have a better season than he had this year. He is he could, No. He this is a regression. That's why he's not going to be the 1-1. Or you know what? He might be the 1-1, but I'm not drafting him. No. I'm drafting the next guy. I'm drafting If, any, if anything, I can't draft him. If history tells you anything – if it's a running back, at least the consensus first overall pick usually doesn't live up to it. So just something to keep in mind. So that was our Peyton Manning award. And now we are moving on to our next award. And Paul is going to tell us what that award is. Paul, take it away. Yes. Yeah, so the next award we got is the Josh Allen Award. So as we all know, Josh Allen went from a first-round prospect, obviously, but he was still middle-of-the-pack quarterback. Nobody knew, was he going to be a boom? Was he going to be a bust? And then he blew 
the lights off of people, and now he is a top three quarterback in the NFL without question. So this is your most improved. This is a guy who took some huge leaps from last year to this year. And so with that being said, John, who is your most improved? Who is your Josh Allen Award nominee? So I think this is a perfect name for this award. I was looking at the history of Josh Allen, and in 2019, he was the number eight quarterback. All right? Good top 10 quarterback. People probably started to notice, like, okay, you know what? This is going to be Josh Allen's leap year. I believe when Josh Allen was the number eight, 2019, I don't think Stefan Diggs was on them yet. Then Stefan Diggs got traded to the Bills for the 2020 season. And what do you know? Josh Allen became the number one quarterback in fantasy for the 2020 season. So I looked back and I said, huh, who was around that rank last year? You were right, John. Stephon Diggs joined the Bills in the 2020. So then we think, who was that number eight, number nine quarterback in 2021? Well, it was Jalen Hurts. And then this offseason, they get A.J. Brown. And Jalen Hurts finished the season as the number one quarterback. Little bit of a trend there. Maybe start to think about that when you're looking for, you know, when it's mock draft season for quarterbacks. Because Jalen Hurts was drafted in like the sixth or seventh round pretty high for a quarterback, but Justin Herbert was drafted before him. Sometimes Joe Burrow was drafted before Jalen Hurts. And we knew Jalen Hurts was going to have that rushing ability much more than Herbert and Burrow. Jalen Hurts gets my Josh Allen Award, most improved. And I also think that he was a contender for most valuable for this one reason, that because he's not playing this week, most likely, there could be teams that are knocked out of the playoffs because Jalen Hurts is not their quarterback. He is that good of a quarterback where he's going to get you between 20 and, honestly, 40 points each week. Whether he's running the ball into the end zone or he's passing, he can do anything he wants against any defense. And so not only do I think he's the most improved, but he is a very important piece on your fantasy team because you could seriously get knocked out of the playoffs because Jalen Hurts isn't playing. Yeah, Jalen Hurts has been like an automatic 30 points this season. It's yeah. It's been it's it in so many different ways. Lamar Jackson was the number one quarterback and it was mainly because of his rushing ability and he was historical in his rushing ability. I'm pretty sure be- better numbers than Jalen Hurts. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure in terms of rushing and yeah, you know Lamar holds Jalen the record. Hurts- Jalen Hurts can do it both ways. Props to Jalen Hurts for being a beast, and he's going to continue to be a top three quarterback for years on end as long as he stays healthy. I thought that with Lamar, John, so I really hope it's with Jalen. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to – Jalen Hurts has receivers. Until, until he gets hurt, and he's hurt right now, that's the thing that with these running quarterbacks. It takes yeah. – Lamar's been hurt the past two years, and Jalen Hurts is currently hurt. I know it's only a sprained shoulder and stuff, but that's the risk. Not that you're, this isn't just a fantasy. Yeah, it could be worse. You yeah. know, like it could happen again and it probably will. And it could be very much worse than a sprained shoulder. I'm happy that's all, that's so all that, it was. That's the thing. When you're just talking about fantasy, obviously guys like Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, they'll be drafted higher because they have the rushing ability. They could have the rushing touchdowns, all that type of stuff. But just know that you're carrying extra risk, especially if you're drafting these guys higher in your draft because people drafted Lamar Jackson in, what was it, round three, round four? Like, 
you could have drafted like Jalen Waddle or something like that who has played all year. So yeah. it's just, just something to think about, especially because Hertz is going to be moving up draft boards next season. Yeah, totally. But Hurt, Hertz is one of one this year. He's the number one fantasy player. He's been absolutely phenomenal. So hats off to you if you got in the eighth or the ninth or the tenth. And just oh. let's just I we don't talk about it enough. Jalen Hurt is just a world class guy. He's just yeah. a world class human being. So we're rooting for him. But this season is definitely – I wouldn't expect this next year. Let's just say that. No. Leagues adjust. They adjust. Look at Lamar. Lamar got – Lamar came down to earth real quick. They, yeah, you guys lost receivers. You lost Hollywood Brown, and he became more injury prone. So Yeah, I but, I mean, we had Hollywood up until last year after Lamar's MVP season, and Lamar just – People adjust when you have a full year of, and this is like getting off topic, but when you have a full year of film on somebody and these coaches get a full off season to see it's. And we'll have a harder schedule next year too. So like, I do agree. There were what we will. No, I just, I wasn't laughing at what you said, John. I just laughed Uh, because I feel like every single year, the Eagles have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Literally. Yeah, I know. But the the (laughs) NFC East is the best it's been in five years and we're a first place schedule. So like it's going yeah, to be hard, but they're not They're You're going up against Daniel Jones and yeah. like Dak is like the closest thing. And Dak is like nothing. Giants are a fluke. Commanders are a fluke. I think the giants and the commanders will both have new quarterbacks next year. Yeah. I don't, I, I, don't, I think the commanders might, I don't know about the giants, but again, getting off topic. So now I'm going to introduce my Josh Allen Award winner for me. And this is a guy that was playing backup to a running back that was pretty irrelevant this season. So it kind of switched this year. And that is Ramondre Stevenson of the Patriots. He was playing behind Damian Harris last year. I know Damian Harris had a few injuries this year, so that may be factored into it, but Ramondre Stevenson has played in over 70% of the snaps in a bunch of games this year, and he is elevated to RB1 status this season. He has been so good for the Patriots, who obviously love to run the ball, and he hasn't scored in he hasn't scored below double digits since week two. He had did have a three-point game in week 14, but that was a game that he went out due to injury. So he has been so consistent, pretty much, I wouldn't say com- came out of nowhere. Everyone knew that there were, the potential was there. It's if he would get the opportunity behind Damian Harris, who got all the goal line carries net last year, who had double-digit touchdowns, surprisingly, too. So, Ramondre Stevenson really elevated his game this year and probably will be probably late second round pick, early third round pick next year. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I really 100% agree with you. Andre Stevenson has come in and just lit the world on fire. It's if you yeah, want to talk about value, if Josh Jacobs didn't have the year that he had this year, Ramondre Stevenson would have been my, at least my running back category MVP. What He's got to be at least a top five running back, right? That's not out of the RB. He's RB8 in PPR. He's RB8, okay. But still, a guy you could have gotten the 8th, ninth, 10th. Like, the people were drafting yeah. Damian Harris over him, man. Like, well, dude, that's what in I'm our league, In our league, Damian Harris was drafted in the 6th round, and Ramondre was drafted a full 12 picks later in the 7th. So that, But that's what I'm saying. Like, you, this is where drafting gets, like, 
complicated because there's no like it's easy to like draft Ramondre Stevenson and be like, oh yeah, I knew he was gonna take over Damian Harris. But like Damian Harris had the better year last year. It's so yeah. hard to project who's gonna have the better year because you can never predict who's gonna get hurt and who's gonna just be the better back a season. Yeah. Running back running back is so like nuanced. Yeah, I think Ramondre Stevenson was that late round PR flyer that actually hit. Like yeah. people were like, take a stab at Ramondre in the ninth, tenth, eleventh, whatever round. Take a stab at him. He does have PPR upside. Who knows? He could, and he has completely blown the roof off of those expectations. Yeah, so that's a fantastic pick, Bob. Yeah, I. It's, it, what's actually, I just just can't predict it, and I was just trying to think of a way to explain it. But there's. Aside from him obviously being a notable guy, we already knew who he was going into the season, but there's just it's so hard to predict these things and be like, Oh, I knew he was gonna be an RB one this year. Yeah, like, nobody yeah. knows. You just you have five or six guys in the late round where you're like, Okay, they could turn this. And if one actually happens and you actually picked him, you're like, Oh my god, I'm a genius. But exactly it, it never rarely works out that way. Paul, who's your job talent award? So my Josh Allen Award for Most Improved is probably the guy who's going to win the Comeback Player of the Year Award this year in the NFL, and that's Geno Smith. This guy has came in from a a starting quarterback battle with Drew Locke in Seattle. People didn't even think that he was going to be the starting quarterback for the football team, and yet he comes in and he's a top seven quarterback in fantasy this year. And the Seahawks, DK Metcalf fell off the board. Tyler Lockett fell off the board. Not completely fell off the board, but they dropped in their draft capital. And Geno's come in and he's played some really good football. He has put up, obviously, he's a QB7 this year. So if you have him on your team, unless you have Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, you're starting Geno Smith. And so he has just come in and played really good football. You want to talk about a waiver wire dream? It's Geno Smith. If you did what a lot of us do, where you wait until the eighth, ninth, tenth round to grab a quarterback, and you grabbed a Derek Carr, or you grabbed a Kirk Cousins, or you grabbed a Dak Prescott, whoever, and you got Geno Smith after that, your team is probably looking pretty good if you had a decent draft above that. So Geno Smith comes in. He's played. He's, he's got to be 30 years old, right? And he was drafted like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Older than 30. Yeah. So – Geno Smith wins my most improved award, and he'll probably come in, and he he should win the NFL Comeback Player of the Year award for what he's done. So hats off to Geno Smith. Hats off to guys who grabbed him off waivers, or maybe you knew something I didn't, and you grabbed Geno in the 16th round. Now, that is the big question for Seattle. We talked about earlier in part one, I forget who, but it was, do you think that this player is going to, yeah, or no, not Daniel Jones, Jared Goff. We were talking about Jared Goff. Do you think that this quarterback is going to be the quarterback of the future for this team? And now we had that question with Geno Smith. Is Geno Smith the QB1 for the Seahawks at least in 2023? What do you guys think? No, because yes. don't they have a top five pick too? They could get a quarterback as well. They do have the Broncos pick, so they could get a quarterback as well. And the I other thing is, go ahead, Bob. I'm just not sold, even if they draft a quarterback, I'm not sold on these guys starting right away. We've seen like players that have benefited from 
you know, I know the common thing is now is just to throw your rookie quarterback into the fire and see what he could do. But there's plenty of instances a la Zach Wilson. Josh Allen benefited from it, but he wasn't good initially. Like a Seattle team that actually is pretty talented and has plenty of playmakers around him. Like it, I wouldn't be sold to say it's Bryce Young. I wouldn't be sold that this guy would just be thrown into the fire when you could bring Geno Smith back, still have DK Metcalf, still have Tyler Lockett. And now that division's not even that good anymore based off this year. So it's not, I just don't see them throwing a rookie quarterback there unless like Gino got hurt. I do think he'll be back. I just think that again, it's one of those things. I hope he, did he only sign a one year deal with the Seahawks? Like for a veteran deal. Let me look it up real quick. I'm not sure what his deal because again, is. if he's not a free agent in this offseason, like his value is high. And I think like they could get draft picks for him. And why would they? It. Why would they? People don't just trade like commodities like that. But dude, like still, like the Seahawks are still technically in rebuild mode, and Geno Smith could be that key to getting draft picks and building their team with a younger roster because yeah, yeah. does play a faster. So, before look, we dive into it further, Niners. look at the Niners too with Trey Lance. Trey Lance started, got hurt, and then you're, yeah, Jimmy G got hurt too. But <laughs> there's a reason you have a solid backup. Yeah. Gino is an undrafted free agent, or not undrafted. <laughs> Jesus. He's a free agent next year. Oh, well, Gino is a free agent next year, so he will be up for grabs. Yeah, him. I don't foresee them franchise tagging him either. I don't think I, he right. deserves thirty-five million a year, but he definitely earns some money this year. But yeah, I agree with that. With him being a free agent, yeah, they're probably not going to pay him unless it's on a friendly deal. But I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't mind giving him like with his age, be like, hey man, here's three years at a lesser money value. But it's the long termness of the not even long term. It's three years, but in NFL standards, yeah. Here's the we're giving you three years of guaranteed pay. You mind if we pay you eight, nine, ten million dollars a year? We might bring in a rookie, we might not, but you're still going to get this. Why not? That's what I'm saying. At this point in his career, he probably also is at the stage where he's like, you know what? I like Geno Smith comes off as the guy that is okay if a rookie starts over him and he turns into that mentor role like I don't see him bitching about like how Aaron Rodgers would do if Jordan Love took the starting job Aaron Rodgers would throw a fit but yeah. I could see Geno Smith being like fuck it I'm I'll, just gonna I'll, I'll just have to show you again why I should start every week yeah, yeah or or he'll get behind the rookie yeah. or that yeah so we'll see they're still gonna need that veteran presence but yeah let's let's move on what award do we have next what's the uh next award my, we, my good friend, John. We have the RG3 award. Ooh. We all remember what happened to RG3. <laughs> Amazing year right. on the on the Redskins. He was on the Redskins then. I can say oh, it. We can say it. We can oh. say it. And he had an injury, and he just started to regress. Now, the RG3 award is for the most regress. It doesn't have to be because of an injury. But when we were talking about what to name this award, I mean, who's who's more regressed than RG3? Come on. It really um, is. Yeah, I'm sure we could think of a couple, but RG3 really comes in. He went from amazing quarterback to in the studio with the Amazon Prime guys or the ESPN, whoever he's with, very quickly. Bob, how about you start us off with who you think is the most regressed of this year? 
It would be my pleasure, John. And I know this is going to hit home for Paul. I'm sorry. I know it feels like we always try and shit on the Ravens on this podcast, but really it's nothing personal. I'm actually surprised that the Ravens have a, they have a much better record than I thought they did. But I thought they were yeah. like, I thought they were at 500 or something like that based on the season and everything. We've only scored like 10 points a game too in the last four weeks. Insane. but It's insane. But so the tight end position is shallow enough and it just got even shallower this year because Mark Andrews has been at least a top five biggest disappointment this fantasy season. Last year, he was putting up 15 points. You could book him for 15 points. People were literally comparing this guy to Travis Kelsey. Some were actually even saying that this guy was better than Travis Kelsey, not only in fantasy, but in real life. And not only did Travis Kelsey put that to bed, there's only one Travis Kelsey. So Mark Andrews has been a major disappointment this year. I know we've talked about it, but since week seven, his biggest point total has been 12.3 points. He's been injured this year. The Ravens have been injured this year. It's been really bad. And it's a shame because he's been getting, still been getting consistent targets, seven, six, seven, seven, eight. That's really good for a tight end. But the touchdowns aren't there. You could blame Lamar being hurt, but he was even good with likely, or not likely, Huntley last year. So I don't know if it's, if you could solely blame it on that. Some of this has to be attributed to Mark Andrews at some point. But as I said earlier, the tight end position is very shallow and he is still somehow sitting at tight end three. Dude, I was was going to say that. I was looking at it too. I was like, dude, of course, like I agree. He regressed so much, but isn't that crazy how he went from the tight end one to the tight end three and we're saying that? It was really who's the touchdowns. Two? He went from nine. No, I got three here. No, I'm saying who's two. Oh, probably. It can't be Goddard. He's been injured. Who the fuck is two? It can't be Kittle. No. It can't be Waller. can't be Dawson. Oh my Knox. God. Who is oh, it? Wait. Hold on. Let me guess. Hold on. Let me guess. Give me a hint. CJ Uzama. TJ Hawkinson. Oh, okay. That's a good That's, I can see it. And Evan Ingram is the fourth. Yeah, because that 40 point game. Like <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I think it's not so much like he's still a tight end, obviously worth drafting given how shallow the position is. But Mark Andrews was what? Like a third round pick this year? Yep. Second round in a lot of leagues. So you're drafting him in the position where you could have had Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and like some really elite players. And he just laid after the first like few weeks of the season, just started laying complete eggs. And yeah, that's now it feels like that there's only really one big time tight end. TJ Hawkinson has been good. He's been, I like him more now that he's on the Vikings and gets the ball a little bit more, but like, Next year, is there really even worth? Is it even worth drafting a tight end before the like seventh round? <laughs> no, it. We talked about it. I think in yesterday's episode where we're seeing a transition in how drafts go. I think it's just going to be heavy wide receiver, and I personally think Travis Kelsey will be a top five pick. I know you guys disagree with that, but I could... for, for a guy that can put up twenty points every week and get you positional advantage, yeah. I do not. How do you not take him in the top five? But after Travis Kelsey, dude, if you don't get Kelsey, you should not be drafting a tight end until the seventh 
round. Yeah, I drafted another guy that honorable mention for my award is Dalton Schultz, guy that was really productive last year from the tight end position. And this year just hasn't been the same, has been hurt. So, again, don't waste your picks on tight ends. Don't waste your early picks on tight ends. It's just not worth it. You might as well just wait until the later rounds. Or honestly, sometimes you could even luck out streaming them. So totally. There's way more risk than there is reward. All right, I'll go next. My RG3 award, I'm sticking with the quarterbacks here. Most regressed, we got Kyler Murray. Most regressed, the notorious video game contract <laughs> that got in his head. But a couple other factors too, because I'm not saying Kyler Murray is done being fantasy irrelevant, but he definitely deserves a most regressed nomination here because of the stuff that happened in the offseason like the video game contract and the media headlines that come along with that d hop not being available and he was a top 10 quarterback his first three years in the nfl but this year he threw a career low in touchdowns and then you think to yourself maybe he ran more this year nope he had a career low in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns this wow. year. And now you possibly have an injury-prone tag on Kyler Murray's name. So his value next year will certainly be lower than it was this year. However, that could benefit you if you get Kyler Murray in the later rounds. I'm not saying he's a non-draft, but see what that chemistry turns into with D-Hop and Kyler Murray in the offseason. Of course, Kyler Murray torn ACL, right? Yeah. Non-contact injury too. He might miss a couple games next year, but we'll see. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna draft him, but I, I would, still think he's relevant in fantasy. I would draft him late. I wouldn't. Like he half round ten. Yeah, I, he's not. I would never target. I'm not gonna choose him over even. He definitely is past and below Jalen Hurts, Burrow. Would you draft um, Derek Carr before Kyler Murray next year? No. Absolutely. What about Geno Smith? No. Okay. No. Well, okay. So I think a good, another good, so a guy like Trevor Lawrence, an ascending quarterback, like I, I would take Trevor Lawrence over him. Okay. Kyler Murray is obviously the injury plays a big part in this as well, but he's definitely going to fall. And he could honestly be a good value draft pick next year if he falls far enough because yeah. then the risk with a quarterback taking a quarterback that late, the risk to reward is very low. If you're taking a guy like Kyler Murray in say the 10th round. Yeah. Okay. That's I, where I drafted like Matt Stafford this year. And at that point your 10th round pick doesn't really mean a whole lot. Yeah. Paul, who do you have? So that's actually a fantastic segue into mine, John, because Ooh. I also stuck with the quarterback. And to me, this is like, the biggest bust ever, like the biggest, most regressed person ever in the history of football. And it's Russell Wilson. Oh, I, mean, Russell, I could write a book on how much I hate Russell Wilson and how much I think he's an absolute fraud, but just to go off of, so we all think that Kyler Murray's a bust this year. And so Kyler Murray did not play in week 14 or he played like the first two or three snaps or whatever. Russell Wilson put up almost a 30-point game in Week 14 and is still 25 points below Kyler Murray in oh his season totals. Russell Wilson, I don't think we've ever seen a guy get paid this much money, have this much hype, and you just, God, the Broncos sold their damn soul 
to get it's, Russell Wilson. It's a historic and, fleece. Historic. Yeah, it is. And for him to come in and be the QB 19 on the year and be 25 points below the QB 18, which is Kyler Murray, who Russell Wilson has an extra week of football on <laughs> Kyler Murray, is just insane. And Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson was hurt in the beginning of the season, too. Russell Wilson was hurt? Yeah. No, he, he played every week. No, he missed a game or Oh, he missed the Jets game. He missed the Jets game. Okay, so I apologize. He would have scored five points that game. Yeah. So it doesn't even matter. I apologize, but still, just looking at Russell Wilson's game log, I am seeing way too many single-digit games than you should ever see from a quarterback who's getting paid $180 million guaranteed, $190 million guaranteed, whatever whatever the fuck the contract is is absolutely ridiculous. The Seahawks are going to get a top-five pick from him. Russell Wilson is not thrown to scrubs. He's thrown to guys like Cortland Sutton. He's thrown to guys like Jerry Judy. He's got a great, obviously, Javante Williams got hurt. We pray for his speedy recovery. But it is still just like that Broncos offense was supposed to light the world on fire. That AFC West was supposed to be the toughest division in football. And what do you know? The Chiefs, again, win the AFC West. The Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders are still in shambles. And Russell Wilson... You are a weird-ass person. I think you are just the cringiest individual alive, and I am loving every minute of your downfall. Let's ride. <laughs> Dude, That's good. So We're about to have a Russell Wilson funeral next year. I can already taste it. That's a good – that's a really good one, Paul. Before we move on to our next award, quick, is there – Because, like I said, this trade in its first year looks like a historic fleece by the Seahawks. But obviously, one Super Bowl run can change an entire perspective on that. Do you think that – I I forget how long the contract is. Do you think there is any chance that Russell Wilson turns back to even, like, 75% of what he was in Seattle? No. No. And the Super Bowl run, Denver, I hate to break it to you, and who Walmart, whoever bought that team, that sucks for you. But Patrick Mahomes is 20-something years old and not going anywhere it's, anytime fast. Dude, you will it, never win that division. Dude, you will it's going to be the AFC East with Tom Brady. That division is Mahomes for the next 15 years. Yep. Like, <laughs> Herbert maybe will sneak in one or two if the Chargers could stop being the Chargers, like rename their team or something like they that. They got to get rid of Brandon Staley, but that's a whole other conversation. A whole for different a whole thing. Day. Get Paul started on Brandon Staley. Yeah, don't even. So we're moving on now. We're going to the next award, and that is the. This is an unfair title for the award now because he's proven that he could stay healthy for an entire season now. So it's a little unfair, but we're going to keep it as it is. This is the CMC award, and as we all know, CMC was labeled injury prone, can't stay on the field for the past couple seasons, but he's played in every single game this year, and it's kind of shed that. So. This, yeah, that injury did sting the most. Like when those two it years, did. yeah, oh, like yep. of course, exactly. And so the CMC award is the injury that stung the most this fantasy season. And John, we're gonna kick it off with you. What injury just ripped your heart out, dude? I'm sure it ripped a lot of people's heart out. He was a top five pick. He was. Most likely the second wide receiver, sometimes the first taken off in the board, and that's Cooper Cup. He 
was RIP my dynasty season. He yep. made it all the way to week 10. And honestly, he, he would have been competing with Jetta in terms of wide receiver one and Tyreek Hill th- this year. I really wish Cup stayed healthy because even with a Matt Stafford somewhat regression year, I guess we could say, although he was still average to below average, Stafford always found a way to get the ball to Cup. And to put it in perspective, Cup was doing so well this year before his injury. To this day, he's still the wide receiver 14. Wow. Good for him. He's been injured for almost a month now. He's, yeah, he's incredible. I I actually forgot about that injury because I always was, I'm always thinking of like season ending injuries early in the season, like ACL tears. But that was, that's definitely one that like, I know for the person that owned him in our redraft league, that totally torpedoed his team. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That was his keeper. And you just hate to see it, dude, because he was having such a good year on Even a Rams with the Rams season. being terrible too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like it was that just goes to show like talent will perform and Cooper Cup found a way to be consistently putting up 20 points a week until his injury. And that was from week one. He was going off. I think he might have had one or two rough weeks. But where he I scored mean, like what, 14 points? Yeah, yeah, the ceiling on Cup is insane. That was a really rough injury. That stung the most. And of course, it's week 10. So you're looking at your playoff hopes in week 10 and you're like, fuck, I'm going nowhere. If you were a fringe playoff team in week 10, the Cooper Cup injury put you in that seven, eight, nine range for the standings. So that's yeah. My in Dynasty, I was in second or third place when Cooper Cup went down, and I went all the way down to seventh and missed the playoffs wow. by one week. So, they, yeah, they, I think they I, were redraft. Went to, I was in sixth and went to eighth, and Brio was in fourth and went to seventh. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. The impact of and, one injury, Cooper Cup, definitely a massive one. Paul, yeah. can you top that? I don't know if. I think John brought up a good point, or Bob, I forget who brought it up, but we think about the guys who have season-ending injuries in the beginning of the year, because then, like, for the rest of the fantasy season, we're like, oh, the reason I'm not playing well, the reason my team's not doing well is because I lost this guy so early. And I picked a guy who we lost relatively early, I think around week five or week six, but Bob, this is your boy, Brees Hall. It was was really tough. What could have been, dude? It could have, know, that it was, killed, what could have been the forget fantasy just for one second what could have been the jets season like yeah a consistent like they literally could have sealed the division with Brees hall i think he was oh man but let's not talk about it too much but yeah it that that killed me from a non-fantasy perspective yeah no and i, I totally agree with you so we lost Brees hall after week seven so if you had Brees Hall in your starting lineup on week seven, he still gave you 14 points. I can't remember if he got injured in that Broncos game or if he got. He did. Okay. So he, dude, he was lighting the world on fire after week. God, he put up 10 points and then 13 points in the first two weeks and then just put up 15 points plus the rest of the way and 20 points plus in his last two full games played. And if you grabbed him in the third or the fourth round, you were looking like an absolute legend. If Brees Hall was your RB2 and you paired him with Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, any of those notable guys, and then maybe got a stud receiver in the second round or the third round, you you were looking like you are going to blow the lid off of your league. And then unfortunately we lost Brees Hall and we're still optimistic because he is so young. 
he is a rookie, so he's got plenty of time on his hands. But as far as this year, man, it was really sad to watch that guy go down. He's a PPR nightmare. He is great rushing the ball. He was great for this Jets offense. So he does have a bright future ahead of him. But that injury really did kill a lot of hopes and dreams of uh, Brees Hall drafters. Yeah, I don't think it's a Cooper Cup injury. Like, that definitely torpedoed people's chances, especially because it was late in the season and Cooper Cup was a first-round pick. I don't know if the Brees Hall injury totally ruined your fantasy season, but when you get a player like that it with the value that he came with, an RB1 in the third or fourth round, like, that's the difference between a first-place team and, let's say, a fifth-place team. Like, losing yeah. a player that caliber in that round. Like, it's just yeah. – it's insane. So would you guys rather have had an injury of a Brees Hall in like week seven or week eight and read the writing on the wall there? Or would you rather have Cooper Cup get you to a one, two or three spot in your league and have him go down late and just watch your team slowly? I'd rather I would rather have lost Brees Hall because you're losing your first round pick with Cooper Cup. That's nearly impossible to come back from that. I would have rather lost Cooper Cup because I think by week 10, you have a pretty good stash of wide receivers that have evolved throughout the season where I would feel comfortable, obviously not filling in the shoes of Cooper Cup. But honestly, at the end of the day, I'd rather have a wide receiver get injured than a running back, period. So Mm -hmm. I think the positional advantage is more at stake if you lose a RB1 value running back versus a wide receiver one value wide receiver. Yeah. Brees Hall, big, another yeah. guy, another guy that's, he's been out for a while. I completely forgot about this guy. These yeah. guys, guys bringing up these injuries. It's like when these guys get hurt, you just completely forget about them until their names pop up for next fantasy season. Yep. <laughs> and yep. this guy, I know, I know John didn't forget about this guy and uh-huh. I haven't because I traded for him in dynasty with him getting hurt. Paul, I'm curious if you forgot about him, but this one, I, it didn't hurt me personally, but I know it definitely hurt a lot of fantasy owners out there with where he was drafted. And that's Javante Williams of the Broncos. This guy was a second-round pick. I know John drafted him in the second round. And unfortunately, we didn't really get to see what Javante Williams even could be this fantasy season. And not just from the injury, but they really didn't use him that much when he was playing. They were using Melvin Gordon more, and I think that's going to change next season because Melvin Gordon's a free agent, and he oh he got waived anyway. I forgot. So yeah. they're not sticking with Latavius Murray. It seems like Javante Williams will slide into that RB1 role, but it's just a sad case because they didn't use him at all, so we didn't see what he could be. And big picture-wise, we it just nothing came from Javante Williams' fantasy season at all. Yeah, and it's just one of those risky picks where it's a shot in the dark because he didn't play long enough to even see if he's passing the eye test or not. And he definitely didn't play long enough to just look at the stats and tell. And then, of course, he's on the Broncos, which were a horrible offense. And it makes you think, okay, could he have been a difference maker on the Broncos? Could he have made Russell Wilson better just from at least another outlet that he can give the ball to? You just don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty with the Broncos right now and even more uncertainty with Javante Williams. So that injury stung, not just for this year. And quite honestly, 
yeah, it sucked when it happened because that was my second round pick, and I was like, fuck, I could have drafted other people. But it sucks for next year because you have to roll the dice on him again. And it's just like, I want to stay away from him, but what will he be next year, a fourth rounder? I yeah, don't. So I wouldn't, in redraft, I wouldn't touch him. I, I don't think I would in the in the top five rounds. So here's my argument on why you should not draft Javante Williams next year, but why you should go full on complete crazy hammer him in the second round for the following year. Yes. And I that is Saquon Barkley. Yep. Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley two years ago Dynasty. blew out his Achilles or blew out whatever it was that he blew out. And last year he came back, but he was never fully healthy. He didn't look the same and had a down year last year but then if you got saquon barkley in the second round this year that's amazing it's awesome and russell wilson is not getting any younger russell wilson is not going to want to scramble as much as he used to he's going to be like 35 in two years or however old he's going to be so look for javante williams with that pass catching ability not next year but the following year i would hammer the shit out of javante williams but I didn't mention him before when I was talking about Russell Wilson just because I think Javante Williams is an all-time talent, but we were we were unfortunately we didn't get to see his full value like Bob said. We weren't able to really grasp Javante Williams and how good he is at football and how good I think he will be when he gets healthy. That's why I'm happy I traded for him in Dynasty even if you got to wait a, another year, but very excited about that possibility now so we'll see what comes with Javante Williams next season and going forward hopefully the Broncos I feel like maybe the Broncos could at least there could be you can't get much worse than it is right now so there's only room to go up I feel like so we'll see but that leaves us to our final award and this is going to be a very fun award and it's fitting because it's the last award and it is (laughs) it is perfect It is the Mr. Irrelevant Award. So if you're into fantasy football, if you're into football, you know what Mr. Irrelevant is. Mr. Irrelevant is the last player drafted in the NFL draft. So to mold it to our fantasy podcast, we decided for to make it what player was drafted in the last three rounds of the fantasy draft that made a really big impact. So, Paul, let's start off with you. Yeah, so I, I'm not super happy with this pick, but I still think that it's relevant that we talk about him. He did miss three games this year, and I think it's still impressive that he is just one mark shy of being a QB1. So he is currently the QB13 in the league, and that's Tua Tagovailoa. John actually had the insight to grab him in the 16th round. So Tua Tagovailoa was John's last pick, and... Even with missing those three games and still being the QB 13 is awesome. But Tua has just been, if anything, just a steady force of mostly 20-point games with a ceiling of, God, 40 points. And so Tua usually hangs around the 23 to 29-point range, which is incredible. Lately, he has fallen off, which has hurt his stats. I don't know whether that's defense figuring him out or there's probably a bunch of factors involved there. But going still, for, defenses. I'm sorry, going up against better defenses. Yeah, he is going up against better defenses, but still, even then, he put up 18 points against the Bills, which you have to be happy with. And before the bye, though, in week 11, he was putting up 29, 23, 23. It's 
he was a QB one for you and he probably won you a lot of weeks. So I'd have to put him in here, especially because that's 16th round. You want to talk about a freaking dart throw. Most people draft defenses or kickers in that 16th round. And for you to get a QB one out of that is just awesome. So I nominate Tua Tagaviola for my Mr. Irrelevant. I like Tua. I think he, I don't want to say he like, no, he has surprised people. He definitely has performed better than people thought he was going to. But I feel like it's just a product of the weapons he has around him, too. Like, they surrounded him with good weapons, like Raheem Moster. And they even have this backup running back who's pretty good. And then, obviously, there's Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, who could mm-hmm. take 10-yard slant route and take it 80 yards. So, two has definitely benefited from that yak that Waddle and Tyreek Hill provide. John, you got any words on Tua? You have been his biggest proponent all year. Yeah, I know. It's I'm happy I got him in the 16th round. And in a keeper league, I'm really loving the idea of keeping him because then I don't have to worry about a quarterback the whole entire draft, which means that when everyone else is drafting quarterbacks, I can take advantage of the positional players. The problem, don't get me wrong, I'm leaning towards Tua right now the most. The problem with it is if Tua keeps putting up 18 points a week like he's doing now, that's really going to frustrate me. Because I need my quarterback to guarantee me 22 points, honestly. I'm looking for my quarterback to be my game changer on my team now. That seems to be my strategy over the last two years, and it's been working out for me. And I traded Lamar Jackson. Honestly, the trade's kind of looking good for me right now. Yeah, you traded him at the perfect time. It was kind of a watch of a trade because I got Amari Cooper, who sucks now. He's barely keeping me alive in my playoff push and my playoffs. DPJ's outperforming him. And I got Dallas Goddard in return, and he got injured right away. So it's like a wash trade. I'm happy that I stuck with Tua because of that keeper value. It's just it's just such a risk. I need an easier schedule on the Dolphins' end. And I do think now that he's going to have a whole extra offseason with Tyreek Hill, probably going to get better and better. So I'm not as scared as I make it seem, but there is a risk of not drafting a quarterback if I really go that route keeping two and not drafting one I'm really putting my team at risk but I think but you already kept Jamar Chase so I would yeah. think the only real Amari Cooper in the ninth sounds nice too with an extra offseason with Deshaun Watson like that yeah. would be my other thought yeah yeah Tua, there's no risk obviously when your keepers in the 16th but it's like a quarterback where you could just I could draft Tua yeah exactly round is there and again, we've talked about it a lot, but there's not that two is not, there's no major upside. There is with Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, even a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Now who I'm going to talk about right after this, Trevor Lawrence has some serious upside Tua doesn't have that like extra gear that could elevate him to top five quarterback. I just exactly. don't. And that's I just the don't. It's like, it's nice where, okay, I'm getting a guy like eight rounds later than what he could draft. That sounds great, but the whole point of a keeper is you're keeping a guy that's going to put up top five numbers in his position. Yeah, or just really good, yeah, or amazing, like, value. Yeah, exactly, and technically good value, but it's like a quarterback. I want my quarterback to be a game changer, and uh, And two is, like, in the middle. Yeah, I think that's what struggles with two and you keeping him is that you can only start one quarterback in our keeper league, it's not like it's a wide receiver or a running back where you can flex him where 
if you kept like, just for example, just cause it's my own personal team. Like when I kept James Robinson last year, I kept him as my flex. Like I kept him as essentially a seventh round pick in the 12th. So he still held value where I can draft other guys to be ahead of him where Tua, when you keep Tua, the whole basis of that is that he's your QB one. You don't have to worry about it. Like you said, like you don't have to worry about taking the quarterback. You can just stack your bench and stack all that. But I still like Tua. I mean, those weapons aren't going anywhere. Mike McDaniel isn't going anywhere. So I like Tua too, but I like this guy a lot more. And it's Trevor Lawrence. I mentioned him a minute ago. He is my Mr. Irrelevant of the fantasy season. He was drafted in the 15th round. And I'll be honest, it hasn't always looked great for him this year. Against red defenses up until this past week, it was really bad. Like he had below 15 points in all those games. He had six point performance against the Eagles. Like he's had some really bad games, but projecting him, he's like I said, drafted in the 15th round. He's going to, he finished the season as the sixth quarterback overall. So he was a quarterback one this year. Like I said, when we were talking about Tua, he has a lot of rushing upside or not a lot, but he has rushing upside whereas a lot of quarterbacks don't. And he's starting to really come into form now. Like, these past few weeks have been amazing. 28, 33, he had a 16 point, but 24, 21, and that's since week 10. So his arrow is pointing sky high through the roof, and it's maybe even conceivable at this point that he may be able to live up to the hype that he had coming into the draft and everything as like the best quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning and John Elway, Andrew Luck, like that type of thing. And as we talked about on our episode yesterday, he has Calvin Ridley coming back next season with an already stacked wide receiver core. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have an amazing year next season. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top three quarterback next year. And he is my Mr. Irrelevant, but do not expect him to be Mr. Irrelevant next season. Yeah, for sure. I really like Trevor Lawrence. And also it's year two for Trevor Lawrence. And sometimes having those bad games against the good defenses could be a blessing in disguise for Trevor Lawrence. Something that maybe those are the games that he watches all his film on and he's okay. I know how to beat those red defenses now. And also having Doug Peterson behind him. Doug Peterson's probably helping him out too. Great It's two teams now that Doug Peterson has coached with a young quarterback and has been successful with them. I now do not believe it was any what Doug Peterson's fault for Carson Wentz's regression. I think that was all on Carson Wentz. I can see the Jaguars rallying behind Trevor Lawrence for sure. I haven't really seen much leadership skills out of Trevor Lawrence yet, but as he matures, that could very well change. Yeah, the leadership thing was like never his forte, wasn't it? Didn't he like in the draft and he say that football is not like his favorite thing in the world or something? But people like blew him up for that. People are like, football is not your favorite thing. Like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, these are what these guys are great. And you're supposed to be this. And Trevor Lawrence was like, dude, I, I love football. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like I don't live, breathe and eat it. To that point, maybe they do need to bring in a leader on defense or maybe a leader. Geno Smith backup. 
<laughs> God, who knows? But I, I do agree with you. Trevor Lawrence is an all-time talent. That guy can fucking throw a goddamn football. I think and he it, can run. He can move. He's great. I think a lot of those things are just overblown. People, like, freak out if they're like, what, you don't only like football? You do other things outside of football yeah. or the sport yeah. that you play? Like, you must not love what you do. Yeah. Unless you're Kyler Murray and you only live for double XP weekends on Call of Duty. Right. Yeah. But- and Trevor Lawrence is passing the eye test. Like, I don't – like, this is, a, this is a fantasy podcast, and although we do happen to talk about what happens in the NFL from time to time, Jags just – look much better and t-law looks much better so you know he's just going to keep getting better at this point because he has the coach now he has the weapons especially with ridley coming back and i only see him getting better at this point and he's keep an eye on him to be a top three quarterback next year but he's mr irrelevant this season yep yeah and john so to round us out who is your mr irrelevant Let's see if you guys can guess. Ready? Many men. Many, many men. (laughs) I love this. I I love that this is your guy. I don't know who it is. Brian Robinson. (laughs) That was good. That was good. Brian Robinson. We can say he did it this year. He beat out a previously considered star, air quotes, in Antonio Gibson. RB1 Um, finished last year. And he's probably going to run him out of town. Antonio Gibbs. I think Brian Robinson will take over that role fully next year. Do we even have to bring up the fact that he got shot right before the offseason? I honestly I this sounds so weird because like, yeah, he was shot, but like he was clearly just shot in an area in his body that was easy to recover. Like it's not like he's some superhuman, but like still pretty cool that in his second career game after getting shot and only missing a month of football that he was able to score a touchdown. He had a, a low floor, which is typical for most late round picks. He was drafted in the 16th round, and he's a rookie, so you can expect that he did. A, he could be a dud player, but he certainly passed the eye test in plenty of games. And now that he has a full off season to work with the team, work out, recover, even I'm sure he's still recovering from the incident that happened. He is going to take a huge leap. Do we see him getting drafted in the top 10 next year, guys? What rounds? Rounds. rounds? rounds. Yeah, rounds. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anytime you can grab an RB one projected in the yeah, top like, ten rounds, I can see him being in the dead zone next year when the fifth or sixth, seventh round. But he could be that guy that wins you a league. I, I can I- see that can be like a weird case of like where him and Gibson, if Antonio Gibson stays on a team, where they're like. They go like really close to each other. It's just a matter of who do you like more? Who do you trust more? Like Ramondre and Harris. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Congratulations to all these award winners. Yeah. You yeah. guys, you guys all won awards from the eye test first annual fantasy season award. So congrats to all the winners. Some probably aren't so happy that they won the awards, but that's okay. Football Fantasy players, season. all you guys we named, don't be afraid to share this on your Instagram that you won yeah. this award. Like we would love for you to post <laughs> about it and make a big deal about it that you won this award from us. We know you all care about fantasy football, so please share this if you can. But this was really fun, and I can't wait to do more episodes of this later. But that was it. No more awards, unfortunately. You guys are gonna have to wait till next year. 
So this was episode 25 of the eye test. As always, we are on Apple and Spotify, the eye test, a fantasy football podcast. We're on YouTube, Instagram, and newly on Twitter as well. Oh, and TikTok. So please follow us on all those lovely social media platforms, and we will see you next time. Peace. Later.